CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I am your host Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Joey Powell. We've got a special edition of the Forty Club here. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you might recognize the guest, but if you're not on YouTube, I'll get to that in just a second. Of course, we're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. They can get you cool gear uh, if you visit them on Franklin Street or if you visit them online at johnnytshirt.com. And of course, if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, which if you're not, I'm not sure what you're waiting on. Uh, I mean, it's, you can't do any better than Inside Carolina Premium. You get 10% off your order at Johnny T-Shirt. And of course, with football season coming around, the gear you can get for the new football full capacity Keenan Stadium is all right there on Franklin Street or at your fingertips online. I mean, you can't you can't get gear like our guest has, but you can get stuff just like it. I was going to say you probably need to work somewhere to get the gear that our guest has, yeah. and, and that might be a discussion as we get into this podcast. But I want to welcome Mr. Jason Freeman into the Forty Club. Jason, what's going on? Hey guys, appreciate you having me on. Uh, excited to talk about uh, Carolina football and, and what we do here in the equipment room. Yeah, I remember, um, I can't remember how long it's been. It's been quite a good while ago. You were on Inside Carolina, did an interview with Deanna Kunovac back in the day and, and sort of shared um, the inside baseball process of the equipment deal. Of course, your, your role's changed a little bit since then, but Jason, let me go back to when you first um, started doing this, because as we talked a little bit off air, I've been with Inside Carolina since 98. You've been with Carolina football since before that. Tell us how it all started, my man. Uh, so for me, it started, uh, I didn't work Carolina football my freshman year at Carolina, the, the fall of my freshman year, which was 1994. Um, started in the springtime, kind of saw uh, an ad in the DTH that they needed some help and, and went and interviewed with uh, Dominic Morelli, who was the head equipment manager, and Mike Bunning, who was the assistant. And uh, they brought me on in the springtime uh, just to kind of try things out, see what I thought about it, you know, because sometimes you, you think it's going to be something and it turns out to be something else. And, you know, it, it changed my life, uh, led me down this career path. And, you know, I'm so grateful for those guys for giving me that, that opportunity. So, uh, you know, being here with Coach Brown, you know, as a student, and now as a, as a full-time staff member, it's kind of come full circle. A lot to dig into there. Let me ask you the question. Tell me about your first day when you got involved in this. Because I know as a, as a freshman, which I have an 18-year-old that will start in less than a month at Carolina, I can imagine that has your head spinning anyway, being a student in college. Um, and now you're uh, – had the prospect of working for Carolina football and coach Brown. What's it like that first day or those first days on that job for you? I think it's a, uh, you know, a little nerve wracking. You know, I was lucky that I kind of had a semester under my belt. So I wasn't quite thrown uh, into it immediately. I kind of knew what college was about, which I think helped me out in the, in the end. And, and springtime's a little, you know, it's not as many hours as you put in during the fall. So I could kind of get my feet wet a little bit. Uh, worked with the offensive line. So, 
you know, Jeff Saturday and those guys, you know, became good buds of mine uh, during, during that time. But it was, you know, those first few days are, are, you're just trying to figure out where you need to be. You know, you're, you're, everything's churning, your, your mind's racing. You're trying to make sure you don't mess anything up because you won't practice to run smoothly for everybody. And so you're just kind of not necessarily thrown to the wolves, but you know, you're out there, you're putting in the work, you're trying not to mess up. And so, uh, but each day, you know, you kind of get a little more comfortable with what you're doing and, and it makes each day go by a little bit better than the, than the previous one. Jason, I, I am always in awe of guys that end up being able to do what they want to do for a career. I, I consider myself being able to do that both with Inside Carolina, but also in my, in my full-time gig. And so I'm, I'm always in awe of you, but help me understand you, you got, you know, you got to Chapel Hill and uh, you know, you're from Weaverville. You, you get to Carolina as a freshman, wide-eyed freshman. I'm assuming you were a fan when you got to school. How do you compartmentalize as a freshman, you know, a lot of people can do it as adults when they get into the media or when they start working for, for their favorite team or whatever. But how do you as a college freshman, uh, you know, go from being a fan? And I know you didn't work for the program your first year, but you were still a freshman and a fan when you got to campus. How do you make that transition to, I don't know, being a part of the program and not being a fan all the time? How does that work? I think it's, it's things that, that Damo and Mike instilled in me, you know, that this is a job, you know, this is, this is a profession and you need to be professional when you're here. You know, you don't need to be, you're not here to make friends. You're not here to be buddy, buddy with the guys, you know, you're here to do a job. And so, you know, I think that was instilled in me, the hard work that my parents instilled in me whenever I was younger. Um, so I took it very serious and knew that, you know, not everybody got this opportunity to be a, a student equipment manager when they got to school. And so I, I took it very serious and I wanted to make sure that I worked hard and, and showed that work ethic. So, you know, cause it, it wasn't a, a given that I'd be brought back in the fall. So I wanted to make sure that I focused on what I needed to focus on so I could get back in the fall and I could experience the season on the sidelines and, and what all that entails. So uh, it made it, you know, you're still a little bit, you know, in all, I think when you see these guys, just because they're so much bigger than that you are and bigger than, than most people that you went to high school with. Um, so, you know, once you kind of get over that factor of just how big they are and, and even nowadays guys are just so much bigger than they were back in the, in the mid nineties. Um, it's just amazing to see the transformation of, of some of these kids that come in in January as early enrollees and, and the size that these kids uh, have on them. I want to come back to that. I'm going to try to remember to, to make a note so I can come back. Cause there's something I want to okay. ask you off the tail end of that. But uh, when did the wow factor wear off for you? And I, I know it's, it, it's not really the same as the question I just asked. I was asking about being a fan just now, but when did the wow factor wear off? Because one of the things we've learned about Mac Brown is that his program is going to be a top level program from, you know, every single fiber of its being. When did the wow factor wear off and you just kind of understood, okay, this is, as amazing as this is, this is the standard that, that we will all uphold. And this is just part of my job to, to reference you know, your quote a second ago. When did kind of the wow factor wear off and you realize, no, this is just the standard we're going to upkeep. Right. And I think that, you know, that happened, you know, a few days into the job, you know, once you're out there at practice and you're, you're kind of experiencing how fast you're going or, you know, things are just buzzing. I mean, uh, sure things are coming at you a, a million miles a, an hour. You're trying to figure out where do I need to be? Where am I supposed to go? Uh, you're trying to figure out what this script means that you got. And, 
you know, inside run and seven on seven and where should you be based on what position you are? What are you supposed to be doing during those times? And, you know, still trying to learn players' names and coaches' names. And and so you're just kind of in, in the first few days, you're just kind of your head's just spinning. So you don't really think about that wow factor of, wow, I, I'm getting to work with, with Carolina football. I think when you you first get hired, you've definitely got that, you know, you're, you're just excited. But once you got into the, into the swing of things, you know, I think it wears off pretty quick and you know that it's, it's a job that you got to do. You talk about the speed of things. And again, going back to that standard of, of which uh, Mac Brown and his staff and his team are going to uphold. Do you have kind of a, a worst memory or have you blocked it out of, of maybe a time when you were in the middle of a drill and practice where something didn't go quite right or you, know, you were in the wrong place at the wrong time or said the wrong thing at the wrong time? But just one of those, you know, old bleep moments that, that a new guy in a big, fast-paced environment might have. Right. I think, I think for, for me, it was just being on the sidelines and, you know, your first game, you're, you're a little nervous because it's your first game. And back then we didn't have wireless headsets. Everybody had the cords. And so uh, the coach that I was with, uh, you know, he was a runner. So I was dropping that cord back and forth, trying to gather it back up. People were stepping on it, you know, and, uh, you know, for me, I, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head, but, you know, I remember, I remember that first game, I think we were playing Syracuse. Uh, it was a night game. Donovan McNabb was the quarterback. And right before kickoff, somebody ran between one of the other student managers and the coach and snapped his cord in half, Ooh. cut off all the communication. And so I can I can remember that vividly from my first <laughs> game, uh, that happening. And obviously the, you know, the aftermath of that, trying to, to find the headset guys to, to get a new cord, get that fixed before we, we kicked it off. But I just remember when it snapped, I can just remember that kid's eyes just like he thought it was over <laughs> for him, you know. Uh, but that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was a long time ago. Yeah, I, I remember that game vividly. Um, still thought Carolina should have won that game. So you're there, uh, you, you know, you go into freshman, sophomore, you end up graduating in 98. At, at the time, the high point of Carolina football, really, um, and quite some time, um, probably as long as just about anybody listening or watching this podcast, you, you do your internship and then you're hired full-time in 1999. What is the difference for you being hired full-time versus being a student manager? What's that transition? Uh, I think, you know, that year interning with, with Dominic and Mike really helped me out to see kind of when you're here all day, you know, when you're a student manager, you're here maybe five hours a day, you know, including practice and things that got to be done. And, and then when you're here all day long, you kind of get to know what, what needs to be done, what's going on behind the scenes, what Dominic was doing, what Mike was doing. And then when Mike transitioned out of that role and, and, and Damo uh, promoted me to assistant, then you really realized like everything that goes on. And, and sometimes I, I'll talk about that with the student managers is that, you know, they don't necessarily see everything that we do behind the scenes, just like I don't see everything they do uh, behind the scenes, but uh, it's just an appreciation for, all the things that go on behind the scenes to make Carolina football run smoothly uh, from our end. So it's just a, just a lot of hard work and a lot of um, stuff to make sure that we stay kind of behind the scenes and, and, and not out in the open. Can you quantify the amount of attention to detail that has to happen for these guys to roll out? And we'll get into it in more detail, for, but for these guys to roll out on a game day, looking 
most of the time as sharp as any team in the, in the country. Can you, can right. you quantify that? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, it's checklist. It's making sure that everybody has everything they need that, you know, each coach is different from what they want to wear on game day. Each player is different than what he wants to wear on game day and, and really having a grasp of that. So they don't really want for anything when it comes to, to game day that they can just focus on, on the game. You know, they don't have to come up and ask for wristbands or gloves or, you know, a new pair of cleats or different socks that they may want to wear. And then it's all in their locker and they can just come in, put the stuff on and, and focus on the game. And, you know, being an equipment manager, you know, you almost become OCD uh, that uh, I wasn't that way. When I came to college, I was probably a little messy. Uh, but now even to this day, I think it's really helped me with my organization um, and how I do things, not only at work, but at home of keeping things organized and, and in a certain place. Yeah. You got to know where all that stuff is. I, I know I've been, I've talked to you there on, on site and it was several years ago. I wish I could organize my closets and have my children organize their closets as well as y'all had it. I mean, it's, it was flawless, but it has to be right. Cause if you need a size 13 pair of cleats, you know exactly where it is. And um, so let me ask you this. You're there for Max first one and then Torbush and then Bunning and then Butch and then Withers for a minute and then Fedora and now Mac again. Right. That's a hell of a run, man. Can you, <laughs> do you sit back at all? And then probably not now since it's in the middle of everything, but and think like, wow, that's a lot. I mean, and those guys are completely different or are they, how does the head coach's personality affect your job? Uh, I think it's, you know, each head coach is different. And I think, uh, you know, the head coaches that give you that, uh, leeway and, and and don't micromanage you um are, are probably the the best guys to work for because you feel like they they trust you they trust you to do your job they know you're doing it to a high level and and they don't have to worry about things uh, those that you know want to micromanage um you know makes you doubt the the level of confidence they have in maybe the job that that you're doing and i've been extremely lucky to like you said to see all those coaches to, to listen to that list um to, to still be here at Carolina. And, and I consider that to, to be a blessing every day that I get to come to work and I get to come to do something that I love to do uh, every day. Cause a lot of people don't get to do that. Is it stressful for guys in your position? Clearly the staff um, coordinators and all that, when there's coaching changes, it's, it's, it's hectic and it's a lot of upheaval for a lot of people's lives. How is it for, guys in your position, guys that are not actually on the, not the staff itself, the coaches themselves, but everybody else. Cause I think people lose sight of that when there's coaching changes, when they're hollering, you know, so-and-so needs to be fired. How many people that actually affects, uh, how is it for, for, for you, the support staff type folks when dealing with all those changes? Yeah. I mean, you have to be, uh, you know, some of these people you, you, you grow to be friends with, um, and it's tough to see these people go because it's, you know, it's not only they're getting fired, but you know, it, it upheaves their, their family, you know, their kids, all that kind of stuff goes on. Um, and, you know, and for us as well, I mean, uh, we're, we're, we're state employees, just like uh, those guys are, you know, we're classified a little bit differently, but, um, uh, 
we could be moved and, and assigned a, a different position somewhere else on, on campus. So it's not, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get to stay on when a, when a new staff is brought on board. So there's always a little bit of, of, of worry there um, because we've all got families and, and kids and stuff like that, that we, you know, are, you know, help support. And uh, so I've just been very lucky to, you know, build relationships with, you know, these coaches and, and the players and, and, and kind of have that support from them. Uh, over the years and and maybe that's what's helped me uh, stay on as long as I have well that and the fact that you're really really good at your job I would assume too I mean that's you, you don't just stick around because you're a nice piece of furniture bro um right listen I, I, <laughs> you gave I, us a nice span between the start and the and where you are now help us understand a little bit about what's different in football equipment between you know the mid 90s and in 2021 I mean you know, I think about technology of helmets and kind of how the shift to uh, protect players uh, from concussions a little better. I think about, you know, the difference in the size of pads. I mean, we did an episode of a podcast looking at that or looking at the season opener in 96. And, dude, those guys rolled out there wearing like car hubcaps on their shoulders versus like right now. It's a much more slender, sleek, form fitting style. You know, you've got breathable, uh, breathable moisture wicking type uh, material on these uniforms help us understand some of the changes in technology that you've seen and and what are some that you maybe like best just from your position you know I, I think back to you know whenever I when I first started as a student manager we, we had a lot of Russell athletic stuff we had some yeah. apex one stuff um, <laughs> I probably still have some of that somewhere in a in a in a, in a closet some some retro stuff but uh, I've got actually a picture of, of Jeff Saturday yeah there's right Mac there. wearing an Apex One shirt right Apex there. I don't know if you still have one. one of those hanging around, but <laughs> that is definitely retro. <laughs> but I, I've got a I've got a jersey that Jeff Saturday gave me that's in here, and I can see his shoulder pads as I turn and look at it, and I just think like, wow, like these guys used to wear these <laughs> baggy jerseys, you know, and these that didn't really wick away sweat, and these big huge shoulder pads, and the, and the helmets, and and just how much technology has has changed. Um, and now with, with brand Jordan, just, and, and guys are, you know, when it comes to cleats, they talk about, you know, there may be a difference of half an ounce, but the guys can feel that now, you know, well, yeah. this cleat weighs 8.1 ounces and this one weighs 7.6. I want to wear that, you know, um, they want to be as light as they can be on the field. You know, they want to wear small knee pads. They don't want to wear those big thigh pads. Um, so we just, we have to find that happy medium of, of keeping them protected but also keeping them light and, and fast out there. Uh, the jerseys are just unbelievable with the way they, they wick away the moisture and how light they are compared to, I picked up an old Jersey the other day and I thought, <laughs> gosh, this thing is so heavy. It um, just the, you know, I think a lot of people when they, when they put on a, when they get an authentic helmet, I could see you guys have got some of those, but just even the weight of that helmet, I think people are surprised at how much Absolutely. it how much it weighs you know you're looking four to five pounds just depending on uh, the face mask that's on there and thinking about wearing that on your head for you know three and a half hours for a game so um and, and a lot of the stuff with the dry fit material and everything that, that's come out uh has really helped the guys with their conditioning and you don't see those cotton t-shirts that you used to see uh back in the back in the mid 90s where guys would just soak through them with sweat uh, these that they have nowadays are obviously helping them uh, wick that moisture away. Um, and so you, you don't get as tired because you don't have all that weight added to your, added to your body. And, 
the cleats are so much different. Like I said, they're so much lighter nowadays. Um, and guys obviously are trying to wear what, like I said, the smallest thing they can, they can put on that'll, that'll still keep them protected. So it's just interesting to see how much helmets have changed from a safety standpoint. Um, with all the new technologies coming out. I mean, you can 3d scan people's heads nowadays and it'll be a custom fit helmet just for, just for that person. Um, and it's just amazing, um, what you, what you can do with what's, what's out there right now. I'm glad you, you got a chance to, to talk with us about the technological side of things. I think a lot of folks are going to fall into the trap that I did at the first part of your answer there is, is talking about the, I guess, the cosmetic side of things and the visual side of things. So now that we've talked about the science and the tech behind it, you got to help me under, you, you got to help me get inside your, your head or your old vintage locker. What are some of the, the, the visual pattern style trends that you miss or maybe don't miss. I mean, you, you mentioned that, that apex one, or, um, you know, the, were you a guy that liked the, the thin stripe that, that we had during the, uh, on the football jerseys during the, the bunning years, I'm sorry, not the jerseys, the pants. Tell me some of, of your, as, as the preeminent equipment guru here, what's some of your favorites and least favorites, uh, from the aesthetic side of things that, that the Tar Heels have had? You know, I think us bringing back those throwbacks, you know, this past year, it was just such a, a huge hit with not only the players and the coaches and our staff, mm -hmm. but but the fans, uh, you know, just to throw back to that Dre Bly era. Uh, and those were obviously those mean a lot to me because that's the time that I was here at, at Carolina when we wore uh, those uniforms. Um, but in my mind, our, our current uniforms are are the best in the in the country. I mean, I think the Argyle on them is just enough to, to differentiate us. And obviously being the school that wears Carolina blue, uh, when you show up on game day, seeing that color, you know, it's Carolina playing on TV. Um, so definitely the, the newer set of uniforms are my favorite. Uh, you know, if we go all white, I really like that look. Mm. I'm a real, I guess I'm a big proponent of the, of the helmet matching the, the, the britches, you know, I really like a, a white helmet, blue jersey, white britches combo, or mm -hmm. all white or all blue, just kind of mixing it up. Um, so, but yeah, if I had to say, I really, you know, throwbacks always have a special place in my heart. Those, those mid nineties jerseys, um, you know, we strayed away from that a little bit, you know, with different coaching changes, but I think we really, we really nailed it on the, on the head when we, we switched to the current uniform palette that we wear now. And I've got to give a, little tip of the cap for your use of the word britches by the way people don't say britches enough so shout out to you for for keeping that in our lexicon <laughs> uh, one more I'm, I'm gonna throw it back to, to tommy for a second what's your favorite non-unc uniform that you've seen around the country i mean i think <laughs> i think that the nike schools probably do it the best if if i'm sharing my opinion i think you know everybody thinks about oregon but I've always been partial to a school like uh, Oklahoma State, who with their, you know, the graphite, uh, the gunmetal colors that they have. I've seen TCU has done some really cool stuff. What's, in your opinion, outside of Carolina, what's, what's your favorite uniform combo that you've seen out there in the college landscape? You know, I'm a big fan of, of kind of what Air Force does each year. You know, they kind of do a special uniform and a, yeah. and a special helmet to, to honor, uh, you know, different things in history. And, uh, actually got one of the helmets uh in my office it's the like the the shark tooth with the eyes kind of like what they used to put on the planes mm -hmm. and i just think they do a really good job of of 
of incorporating history and and but yet keeping it new and new and fresh. So I always like to see what they're going to come out with uh, each year. Yeah, that's cool. I know it's a kind of a unconventional answer to say no, Air Force, like but they but they always kind of do something different that's somebody else isn't doing. So I always appreciate that. I think Tommy and I talked about it before. I'm a big fan of the Army Navy game just because yeah. they do something similar to what you're talking about that Air Force does, where they'll they'll throw back to a certain uh, you know a, a certain unit or a platoon's style and and kind of gives a little homage to them. Tommy, you're up. Keeping in that same vein. It, Carolina's the preeminent Jordan brand school. I mean, Michigan might could say they are, but we know that's not accurate. And you got Nike and Nike and always been that, but do you ever um, look around at other schools and say, Hmm, that's something that's pretty cool. I wonder if we could try that. I mean, is there ever, or has there ever been any of that when developing this Carolina stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think you're always looking out there to see what else is out there, see what other people are doing. But, uh, you know, at Carolina, I just feel like with our colors and, and that Argyle and, you know, now all the sports pretty much are incorporating that into their uniforms, whether it's, you know, soccer or lacrosse or swimming and diving, all those sports are uh, field hockey. They're they're incorporating that that Argyle pattern. And I just I just think it's a classic look and, and really em, embodies Carolina and 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 what we what we are here um, so it's just I think we're very, very traditional in some sense and we really like to stick with those stick with Carolina blue and stick with white and really showcase those colors when we're when we're playing so people know it's us I got a question about that after the break let me take a short sentence to talk about Johnny t-shirt Johnny t-shirt.com again they are our sponsors of this podcast and great friends of all of you at inside Carolina if you're a premium subscriber especially you get your 10% off their order hit them up they need your support they're open on Franklin Street it's wide open in Chapel Hill fixing to be even more wide open when students come back and then of course in the football season we're going to take another break let the national guys pay the bills we'll be right back with Jason Freeman I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. All right, we're back. This is the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Joey Powell. J-Bone, Jason Freeman, down on the bottom of your YouTube screen. Where'd, that, where'd the nickname come from, Bone? You got to a That was a Jeff Saturday, you know, as, a, as a, you know, a freshman there in the springtime working with the offensive line. I was a lot skinnier than I am nowadays. Uh, uh, Aren't we all? Yeah. So, uh, you know, he started calling me J-Bone, and it just 
it just kind of stuck. Uh, you know, growing up, I was always free bird. That's what everybody called me when I was all through high school. I was always free bird. Uh, that was my nickname. So, uh, but nobody around here knows me as free bird. It's, it's J bone now. So, uh, it's always strange when, like when the freshmen first get here, they're always like, you know, Mr. Freeman or Jason or, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, who, who, who are you talking about? You know, I said, just call me J bone. So, uh, it's always interesting when when the, a new a new class comes in. That'd be a, cool to be named by a Hall of Famer, right? Right, exactly. Hall of Famer. That's, that's pretty strong, man. And then just your a, other names, Freebird, man. You got two great nicknames. I know. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff's been good to me over the over the years. Like I said, we became really good good friends when whenever uh, we were here at Carolina. And as he played in the pros, I'd go up and catch a game here and there, and and just visit with him. And uh, you know, it's just neat to see his his son here now playing, which, uh, you know, will make you feel really, really old when you start to see, uh, you know, players that you were here with start to have their kids come back to, to college with, uh, you know, Errol Hood's son is playing running back for us now. And then with uh, Jeffrey Saturday playing wide receiver Oof. for us. So uh, time flies. Time indeed does. Uh, speaking of, uh, of time, it's been a little while, but what'd you think, what did y'all collectively think, be honest, of the black era? The all, I, I will admit, I thought the All Blacks on Zero Dark Thursday were Those nice. were strong. But w- what did the equipment team think of the black, incorporating the black into the uniforms there for those few years? Uh, I think it was different, you know. I think the, uh, you know, the numbers being black um, weren't, in my mind, the, the best look. You know, I really like blue and white uh, and white and blue with numbers. Um but I agree that that all black uniform was was really, really unique and really a really cool look. I really like the the all black uniforms, and you know I know we got the the navy now, which is more of a, a Carolina color than than black is. So so I'm I'm happy that we've got the the navy, but it kind of seems like it runs in patterns. You, you have the navy, people want the black, and you have the black, people want the navy. So, um, but I, I really love our navy uniforms. I think I think they're some of the best uh, out there. They are indeed. All right, let's play uh, not rapid fire, but I want um, simple answers. Who's the biggest, and I'll go back since you started, so we're not picking on current team members. Who had to have their uniform perfect? Who was the most anal about their yeah, who's, uniform? Who's the biggest diva? Yeah. Hmm. Biggest diva. Honest. I mean, I, I, think, I think he would agree with this. I think Dre Bly would agree that it was probably him. You know, I think, I think coach Bly always wanted to look sharp and, and, and on point. And uh, I think even to this day, he's, he has that kind of swagger about him that, that he wants to uh, the way he carries himself. And, you know, when you're, you know, an all American like he was in the hall of famer, then you've got every right to, to be that way. And uh, Dre's just, he's just a great guy and a, and a great coach. And I'm, I'm just really excited that he's, he's back here with us. He's definitely added a ton being there. What position groups the biggest pain to deal with as far as an equipment manager? Great question, Tommy. Yeah, that is a great question. I mean, uh, not to say that any of them are a pain. I don't want it to, to and it's come relative. across like that. Yeah. yeah. Which one requires more uh, attention to detail, Jason? How's that? Is that safe? Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's going to be the DBs and the receivers. I mean, because those are your 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 skill positions. Uh, you know, your offensive line, defensive line. I mean, those guys will be out there wearing gloves that, you know, are ripped up and torn and, 
they don't care. The guys in the trenches, you know, they say they get ugly right. in the <laughs> trenches. You know, they, they don't they don't care about those things. Um, they ever ask you to rip your shirt before they put it on? No, no, they're always <laughs> they're always pretty good about everything. But you know, the DBs and the wide receivers are are, are your your guys that, that come up needing the most stuff. And um, but the O line, D line, linebackers, all those guys are are are, are pretty easy going. And 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 usually it's you know just a couple couple guys here and a couple guys there for the most part. You know, we've just got to. I've just seen how things change over the years and just the, the group of kids that coach Brown's brought in and, and recruited is, it's just different. They're, you know, I don't know. I don't know the best way to put it. Just the respect level they have for what we do back here and the respect level we have for what they do out on, on the field kind of go, go hand in hand. And so, uh, you know, we're just pretty lucky that we got a, a group of great kids and it's just, it's a, it's amazing because each year is different and you wonder how's this group going to be compared to, to other years, but uh, it's, it's been, it's been phenomenal. These kids have really done a, a great job of embracing and, and holding themselves accountable for things. It's all, it's the old look good, play good thing, right? If they, right. if they think they look good, then they're going to play better. How much do uniforms and equipment um, do you think factor into recruiting? Uh, I mean, it's clearly a big deal. I think it's a huge deal. I think you see it with the recruits nowadays They come in and, you know, they want to put on the Jersey and the helmet and take pictures and put it out there on the, on the internet, you know, on Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it plays a huge factor in us being, you know, the premier Jordan brand school uh, really sets us apart that we're able to offer things that, that other schools can't. I love the fact that you guys have kind of glommed onto that. And I think it, points to the genius of Mac Brown and you guys as a staff uh you've got to know that one of the most I guess uh actively sought out uh tweets or Instagram posts every week is the Thursday uniform post because I I'm sure you're sitting around you know people are hassling you waiting to drop it up there you got to love that right yeah I think I think it's uh you know people are excited to see what we're wearing and uh, you know I think you know we keep it within the the color palette that that blue and white uh, each and every week. And what, what we do is, you know, with the leadership council is, is we kind of give them some options of, of what to wear, you know, maybe three or four choices, you know, depending on if we're home or away. Uh, sometimes we'll get that question, you know, why aren't you wearing blue jerseys at, at Virginia tech or, you know, at Georgia tech. And it's like, well, we have, I guess Georgia tech's different, but because they wear dark jerseys at home, but, you know, always thinking we well, have to wear white jerseys on the road and you have to wear Carolina blue jerseys at home or, or a dark color jersey at, at home, I should say. So a couple more in, in Tommy's vein of, of rapid fire. You talked about uh, a Jeff Saturday jersey. I see you've got some helmets back behind you. What's your favorite piece personally of, uh, of UNC gear, or is it non-UNC gear that, that you have? Uh, there's actually, in, in my office, there's actually a, a, a number one uh, plaque uh, that Chase Rice gave me for his first number one single, Eyes on You. Oh wow! And I, was tell- and I was talking to somebody about that the other day, and how that was one of the probably the coolest gifts somebody's ever ever given me. Obviously, um, that and, and the and the guitar that, that my wife gave me for my 40th birthday that that Eric Church signed for me behind me are probably the two things that I you know treasure the most that uh, that I have in the office. But uh, yeah, I got a package from Nashville at the house one day, and I said, "Well, I didn't order anything from Nashville. Like, <laughs> what what is this?" And I opened it up, and it was like you know dedicated to Jason Freeman, 
Chase Rice, number one, eyes on you or whatever. And I thought like, wow, that's, that's really thoughtful and uh, really, you know, kind of, kind of got me a little bit, got me choked up a little bit that, that somebody would do something like that for, for me. Cause uh, you know, my personality is I'm more of a, I get more pleasure giving gifts than I do do receiving them, you know, cause when you're an equipment guy, people always say like, Hey, what, what can I do for you? What can, you know, yeah. let me do something for you. And I, I know when, when you get asked for something every single day, whether it's a <laughs> pair of gloves or a pair yeah. of socks, unless I really need something, I, I don't, I don't bother people with that. That's just not my, my personality. I just get more pleasure giving somebody something and, and seeing the reaction that they have. So kind of to have that flipped on me with the, the guitar and the, and the number one plaque, uh, kind of caught me off guard, I guess. That's cool, man. Uh, you talk about your, your penchant for giving things. I, I think it's become very well known of, of how well you and, and the football program take care of, uh, the alumni and the NFL. And, and you can see that on social media all the time. Uh, who I figure how I want to ask this is I don't want to make anybody look like they're greedy, but, uh, who, who is the guy that you can never send enough stuff to, uh, in the NFL, who's the who's the guy that that is that will if you send it to him, you know he's going to be decked out in it for the next twenty five times you see him in public. Hmm, that's a tough question because you know I think Coach Brown does a good job of that. Of of you know we'll send stuff to those guys that are in the NFL and and when alumni coming back and just welcoming them back and 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 making them feel like they can come back because it's, sometimes it's tough for those guys because they don't necessarily know the current coaching staff. You know, they may have played for uh, another coach and they don't really know anybody here. And I think that makes it, it, sometimes they feel like they can't come back, but I think coach Brown's really done a great job just embracing those lettermen and saying, Hey, please come back. We want you to come back. We want you to spend time here at Carolina. We want you to bring your family. We want you to bring your kids. And he does the same thing with the staff. He wants us to bring our wives around he wants us to bring our kids around. He wants them to be around because we spend so much time here and any time that we can bring them around and spend time with us is key. So um, he's really done just a great job of, of not only saying that we're family, but, you know, you can preach it sometimes. It's not necessarily true, but with Coach Brown, he preaches it. He lives it. He makes sure that we all feel like we're part of the team and that we all contribute something. Um to make Carolina football successful uh, each week. Yeah. And, and one of the ways you can kind of do that and keep that family strong is, you know, by sending gifts to, to guys that have, have worn the uniform before uh, one more and I'll, I'll throw it back to Tommy. I remember specifically the, the geo uh, punt return game when UNC broke out the, the Chrome helmets. And I, I want to set this up in a certain way because uh you talk about being, you know, well, you don't talk about it, but you're an unheralded guy. Uh, you don't like to have the spotlight on you. You don't want to ask for things. But I think one of the coolest moments that I've seen was the video that the video staff did showing you guys and how you got all of those uh, chrome helmets in everybody's locker without anybody knowing and it being kind of a surprise. I have to think that's one of your favorite moments, uh, you know, in seeing all those guys come back in and see the new helmets and so on. And uh, is that your top number one favorite moment since you've had this job? And if it's not, what is your favorite moment since you since you've had this gig, uh, as it relates to equipment and, and, and football gear? Right. I think uh, just the surprise on their face was just priceless. 
like you you can't put it into words what you know it's like they couldn't believe it they didn't even know the helmets <laughs> existed they didn't even know we were working on the helmets and we you know my staff and i we worked on those tirelessly like uh we've got a storage end uh down at the other end so nobody would see us you know kind of behind closed doors <laughs> like cloak sure and dagger that, in the dark yeah. like <laughs> And we knew we had a limited amount of time from the time pregame ended until they ran back out of the tunnel. And you haven't been able to fit these guys for the helmet. And, you know, you know that he wears a size large, you know, uh, speed flex helmet. And he wears, you know, three quarter inch jaw pads. And he wears this kind of chin strap. And he wears, uh, you know, a shield on his helmet and all that kind of stuff. But still, everyone's head fits differently. And some guys, you have to there's different bladders inside the helmet where you can inflate them with air and uh, to get a, a better fit and you have to adjust the chin strap. So we kind of, you know, we're trying to do all that, which usually would take a lot longer than it did in a mm-hmm. condensed amount of time. So it was having everybody on board and, and making sure that, that not only did we get the helmets fit, but they were fit in a safe manner and the guys felt comfortable in them because they had had a chance to go out and sweat in these helmets at practice. Like, we do with normal game helmets and kind of let them break them in a little bit. It was just a complete surprise. And, um, you know, it went off without a hitch. And uh, I just remember just, just the stress, just being relieved off of being once we, because <laughs> holding a, holding a secret like that is, 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 you know, very hard. And then, you know, you have to trust your staff that nobody's going to tell their parents or their friend who, you know, please don't tell anybody and then they tell somebody oh don't tell anybody and then they tell somebody and then it and then it gets out so um we really put in a lot of hours to to get those special helmets done and then you know then we did it again at duke uh, i think a couple years later Mm -hmm. um when we played at duke um so i I definitely say that that's probably one of the the top moments uh for me uh work related um it just was it just was just seeing their faces. And even when we played at Duke and we wore the kind of the Carolina blue chrome helmets, mm-hmm. I can remember like the first, you know, you have to kind of go about 150 yards from the field to the, <laughs> to the locker room at Duke. And like the, the first guys got to the locker room and the noise starts escalating a little bit, you know, guys are hooping and hollering. And then I can start to see a wave of guys just taking off running to the locker room so they can, they can see what's what's inside the locker room and you know it was like wow we've really pulled this off you know again and uh it's it's a really special time for for carolina obviously we won both of those games when uh when we wore those helmets for the first time so yeah i think i think you noted on the head that's that's been a very special uh career moment for me uh geo chrome or the blue chrome your favorite look who I really like the blue chrome. I know the geo one kind of means more just because of the, <laughs> of the, of the result, uh, you know, the punt and taking it to the house and uh, just the emotion of, of the stadium and just how it was just rocking. And, uh, but from aesthetic wise, I really, I really like the, the blue chroma better than the, than the, than the first chrome, the geo chrome. I think I might agree with you on, across the board on that answer. That that right. blue chrome is is, is kind of nice. You, you started talking about, um, and we're talking to Jason Freeman, J Bone Equipment Manager at Carolina. Uh, you talked about all the different options on a helmet. How many different variables go into one player's uniform? Whew, if you can 
ballpark. Because it's yeah, not I as mean, simple as pulling a jersey, pulling some pants, those some right. <laughs> No, I mean, uh, you know, each each player wears, you know, they can wear different size jerseys, you know, pants, uh, sock combinations, whether they want to wear long socks, calf length socks, you know, ankle socks, no-show socks. Um, you know, the cleat options are, are different based on, you know, what position you play. Um, and then, you know, helmet-wise, there's different manufacturers, and then there's different face masks. And, I mean, just on the team alone, there's probably, I don't know, 15 to 20 different face masks that guys wear uh, based on whatever position they are. And, you know, as they, you know, Sam Howell wears a, you know, a different face mask and um, then some of the other guys that are, that are skilled positions and really uh, kind of set the tone. Actually, there's a little inside story was um, Travis Etienne down at Clemson. He wanted to wear the, the Sam Howell face mask. It's really the OBJ is the one that, that first wore that, that, that style uh, face mask. So when we got it in and Sam was wearing it, uh, my buddy Abe down at Clemson called me up and was like, man, Travis saw the, the face mask that Sam's wearing and, and he wants, he wants to wear it, you know, this, this weekend uh, against whoever they were playing. And he's like, I, I can't get any, you know? So, you know, equipment guys, we try to help each other out. So I sent him a couple down there. So, and then that's what, Travis wore uh, that next week, but it was just interesting to think that like he's sitting at the house watching Carolina play and see Sam wearing a different face mask and says, man, I really want to wear that. But that's what, you know, uh, you know, our student athletes do. They see somebody in the pros wearing a, a certain style face mask or a certain style helmet. And, you know, we'll try it on them and make sure that it, that it fits their head. Cause sometimes they may see something, they try it on. They're like, eh, I don't like this as good as my as my other helmet. But you know, it's definitely interesting to see how the NFL and college, and even I'm sure that factors into to high school and kids that play, you know, pee wee football. They see their their heroes wearing, you know, a certain style face mask. Or I think uh, it was the quarterback from Oregon a few years ago. I think he had the area code was his face mask. Mm-hmm. It was like I can't remember what it was. Eight o eight or something like that i can't remember what it was but uh, you know that separated him and guys were seeing that thinking that oh, that's really cool so guys really pay attention to what other people are wearing uh, throughout the country i guess is, is the point i was trying to make is there a limit i'm a freshman at carolina i come in i'm on the roster i say this is what i want to do is there a limit to what guys can do obviously it has to fall within the rules or whatever but what are my limits as far as gear? No, I mean, I think what we do is, is, you know, you kind of have to see the trends, especially as you get older, you know, the guys start to, to do different things that are, you know, they want to wear smaller knee pads and they want to wear sleeveless hoodies for pregame and, you know, things that nowadays you have, you almost have a, a, a pre pregame outfit that you put on, you know, maybe that's your travel sweats that you wear, uh, into the stadium and then once you get there you put on your pregame outfits you may wear you know some different cleats or some different tennis shoes and you wear uh you know shorts and a, and a sleeveless hoodie or you know a t-shirt and, and nowadays they all have to have numbers on them so they can the officials can identify uh you know the player if there were ever to be any any issues during pregame um Listen, i'm sorry so, to step on you but how much of that stuff okay. is functional and how much of it is just w- what the player likes I think, you know, I think it's all about making them feel, you know, relaxed, like uh, just a way, 
you don't want to go out for for pregame and go already have your pants on and and your shoulder pads and your jersey. You want to save that to the last minute. Keep all that weight off of your off of your body. You want something lightweight, something very, you know, something that's going to wick that. You know, if you're kicking off at a you know three thirty and you get there at one thirty and you're out there in the hot sun, you want to stay cool and and relax. So when you come inside, you can you can wait kind of to the last minute to put on, uh, you know, your helmet, and shoulder pads, and knee pads and and everything else you need to wear so i think it i think it definitely serves a purpose it keeps the guys a lot cooler and i think it keeps them a little more more relaxed last so, one i've got for you hold on bone i got i got to right. get in this one i've been itching what's the strangest request you've had from a player Ooh. as it relates to to gear um i mean sometimes you know probably most people can don't even realize this, but one foot is bigger than, than the other. Usually, you know, it could be a half a size and, and most people just live with it. Um, so I think, I think when you have that guy that needs that 12 and a half and a, his left shoe and a 13 in the right, you can't do anything with the other shoes. So you just have to, you know, get rid of them. They don't really serve a purpose because you can't give somebody else a, a mismatched pair of shoes. So that, that kind of comes to my mind of, sometimes that happens but you know obviously we've got a great contract here with with brand jordan so it allows us to to outfit these guys however they need to be outfitted so i got one more and since we're at the tail end this might give you an opportunity to to duck the question or just you know uh sidestep it or stiff arm it or however you want to call it um i think it's been long enough that maybe the statute of limitations has run out on this but one of the things I love about following the, you know, the, the equipment staff uh, on social media is you guys always give a shout out to the visiting teams when they clean up their area, you know, and, and you talked about the, kind of the camaraderie and the brotherhood you have with, with other equipment managers around the country. I think that's right. really awesome to see. My question is the, uh, the famed and vaunted time where uh, a university in Durham claimed there was lots of destruction on behalf of UNC uh, in the visitors locker room when North Carolina played at said university. How much of that was, uh, was exaggerated because uh, a lot of fans, uh, you know, myself included tend to think that that was a little bit of pettiness on behalf of the other school that that school up in Durham as the guy who was there, was that exaggerated or was there actually real monetary damage done to the uh, facility? Yeah, I mean, I think that just some of that, some of that Carolina blue paint got on things, um, you know, whether it was a carpet or, you know, when you, when you bring a, a bell into the locker room like that, um, that the paint got on, you know, a few items uh, that are in the locker room. But it just, you know, hindsight probably should have spray painted it on the field like, like we had done. But I think everybody was so excited to get the bell back. You really don't think about those those kinds of things and, and, and the pure joy of those, of those kids celebrating uh, probably made it worth every, every penny that, that we were, uh, that we were charged. Absolutely. Yeah. We had a similar vein. We had Orner, Dan Orner on this podcast, not too terribly long Uh ago. And he talked about the old helmet and uh, running into it. Yeah. And he, he actually said the helmet fought back a little more than he thought it would. But, yeah, that was another one of those instances. Last question for you, Bone, and I appreciate you taking the time to join Joey and I. It's always fun to, to talk this type stuff. You've been in the room where it happened uh, for 25 years now? 26 yeah, years? 
Yeah, I guess yeah, if you start 95, spring of 95, so yeah. It, that's crazy to believe. Um, I know it is for you. It is for me because it makes me feel old too. But uh, biggest memory on the field? Because, you know, when you see you on the sidelines over the years, you're right behind the head coach, whoever it is. Right. You get a lot of airtime, dude. You do. You get a lot of airtime. You could probably sell iBlack with uh, <laughs> websites on it. But, uh, and we can talk about NIL too. But tell me the biggest moment for you being on that sideline for Carolina football over the last 25, 26 years. What, what, what is it? I think a few come to mind. I mean, we talked about the geo punt return. Um, we, I think the, the Connor Barth kick, you know, that was just unbelievable. Uh, to to experience that, um, I think you know the the win we had down at at Florida State with the long field goal by Nick Weiler and mm-hmm. you know Nick running down the field doing the tomahawk chop um, that that was memorable playing in the ACC championship um, just how special that was to to be there and and have a chance to 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 win it um, but all, all those games are just just ingrained in my memory you know certain plays it's, it's sometimes it's harder I'll, I'll turn on acc network and they'll, they'll show a game and i'm like oh i remember this game now like it, it starts to come back to you but it's more moments that you that you remember uh in, in my instance and you know just the the joy and the elation you felt like we said when when geo returned the pun or when nick wilder kicked that field goal or even dan order kicking that field goal you brought back <laughs> memories there of him running into that that inflatable duke helmet uh, or, or things I'll never forget. And just, uh, you know, you're kind of just running around, just all excited. And, and it's just, it's, it's, I, I still pinch myself that I'm lucky to get to do what I, what I do uh, every day. Cause it just, it's a joy to, to come to work and um, you know, with, with Connor and, and Mike, who I work with um, and my student managers just the hard work that they put in behind the scenes to, to make Carolina football uh, run so smooth. Uh, it really is a, you know, they say we're the team behind the team. Um, and that really is, that really is, is true because we, we won't, we don't want anybody to have to worry about their equipment or feeling safe out there or making sure they have what they need. We want them to make sure that they're, they're focused on the game. And if we can, have a game go off and we don't have any issues. We, we consider that a success, but, you know, uh, I think, uh, a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, we take a big 53 foot tractor trailer with us on the, on the road and that's loaded down with everything we need, everything the athletic trainers need the video staff. We're prepared for any weather, whether it's rain, hail, sleet or snow, it may say it's going to be 90 degrees, but you know, we're still taking stuff that in case the weather takes a turn, you know, as an equipment manager, kind of the motto is, is, you know, it's better to have it, not need it than need it and not have it. So it's kind of our, our mantra we live by back here. Well, you've certainly done a great job at it over the last 25, 26 years. You've sort of, um, you're one of those guys that rose from the bottom and now you're here and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It is, uh, you know, nobody will ever say that Carolina foot, the play might be questionable at times. The the look and the fit is never questionable. And never. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, and you've had um, an overwhelming majority, uh, especially of late, of making that happen. So uh, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I know Joey appreciates it. I love this kind of stuff. You and I have talked 
um, plenty of times before. It's just fascinating to see how it all works and to see the process of getting these guys to look like they look on game days. But, Jason, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, Bo, I appreciate it, buddy. I, hopefully, that hopefully folks, too, will uh, gain a, a little bit of an extra appreciation for all the work and the meticulous detail that goes into the job that you guys do, making the Tar Heels look as good as they do when the ball kicks off on Saturdays. Well, I appreciate it, Joey, and, and thanks, Tommy. I appreciate you both for, for having me on and, and kind of talking about what my passion is in life, and, and you know, that's equipment and that's Carolina football, and uh, thanks again. Yeah, man, and like we mentioned and hinted at earlier, you won't meet a nicer guy than Jason Freeman. J-Bone, I prefer Freebird. You might hear that being yelled at you. That's that's classic. But, uh, That'd be a throwback. I like yeah. it. <laughs> you wonder, like, <laughs> who's this old guy yelling at me? But uh, yeah. we appreciate it. We appreciate everybody listening and watching on the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm Tommy, that's Joey, and that's Jason. Uh, the guest is always better than the host, and again, it was today. Johnny T-Shirt's our sponsor insidecarolina.com we'll talk soon Wait. citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids a new paramount plus original docuseries this is the start of something major follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous idaho college murders there's plenty of places to hide a weapon and turned it into a social media phenomenon where are the roommates it is a huge night from you hashtag cyber sleuths the idaho murders now streaming exclusively on paramount plus